Making your dreams come true with Toltec wisdom. Toltec wisdom is an ancient Mexican philosophy that has a lot in common with the yogic philosophy. And it's super exciting and inspiring how my dear, very, very special friend, Luis Hunab Amaya from Mexico, is sharing his knowledge with us. Some of you might know Miguel Ruiz and the Four Agreements, a very famous book that has inspired people from all over the world. We are going to share some knowledge with you that is connecting you, for sure, to this inner voice of love. Be excited and listen. Welcome to Listen to Love. This podcast is all about relationships, starting with the relationship that you have with yourself. My name is Julia Pieper and I made a promise. I promised to myself that in the end of my days, I want to say yes. This was it. Thank you. I am fulfilled. I lived life to its fullest. Listen to the wind and listen to the water, hear what they say. Hola, hola. Hey, hey, hey. Hello. Nice so, surprise. <laughs> so good to see you. And same. even better to hear you. Same, same, same. So first of all, I'd love to ask you, when was the last time that you listened to your inner voice of love? And which action followed? I mean, oftentimes... We have this inner narrative of fear, of doubt, maybe of insecurity. But when was the last time that you heard this inner voice of love and that you were consciously listening to it? And then which action followed? I'm excited to hear. Wow. I think uh, last time was uh, this morning. <laughs> we're waking up and feeling grateful for the new day. And this is a common practice that I, I try to stick and uh, waking up and just feeling gratitude and feeling this call for love <laughs> for fi finding making being love yeah mm, beautiful thank you for sharing <laughs> yeah i'm super excited to share this interview with you because Every time I speak to you, it's so inspiring. And since I know you, I want to start a podcast with you. I remember when we were traveling together and when we were in Nepal and I said, hey, let's just do this. Let's just start a podcast. And there were actually many attempts already when we were so close to do it. And now finally, it's the moment that we are sharing our first episode together. Hopefully not the last. So yes, I'm... Mm -hmm. I'm happy to even know that the, the music we recorded ended up being part of the podcast. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the, it's in the other podcast, in the Heal, Feel, Lead podcast. Mm -hmm. Yeah, really, really nice. So tell us, Toltec wisdom, what is Toltec wisdom and how and why did you get in touch with it? Well, Toltec wisdom... 
may refer to a current philosophical movement, let's say, that was recovered a few years ago, 60s, uh, was believed to be lost, but mostly was just spoken. And it was, Tolteguism is like speaking about Buddhism or Hinduism. It's philosophical, spiritual uh, current. And it was recovered by uh, many people, but especially one significant character in the history of, of uh, shamanism or this ancient Toltec wisdom uh, thing and the 60s. And I came to it because of many ways. It was a confirmation through many paths. First of all, it was my true an authentic interest in what lies beyond life. And this was basically inspired by an event that happened when I was a kid. When I was 10 years old, my mom passed away uh, from a cancer, breast cancer. And that got me straight into trying to understand what lies beyond this life. Mm-hmm. So... I think when you're a kid, you are not so rational. <laughs> and so that really ignited some interest in spiritual practices. And well, that of course was very different than what my family was practicing. And it was challenging because of that, because I was creating a new path, diverging from my families. And then I somehow managed to get in contact after many years with my mother's brother, whose name is Eduardo. And he actually got out from alcoholism and addiction by Toltec wisdom. He was sharing with me that he found this very powerful tool, which was very practical and had a lot to do with the Mexican culture. And that was the way he could step out from addictions. And I got very interested. So this eventually Toltec wisdom came by my uncle and by internet and my curiosity of looking for as many philosophies that speak about what's beyond life. And Mm -hmm. finally... The the way I can tell I really came into Toltec wisdom was when I first practiced it. When I moved from reading and knowing to doing. And and that happened like around my 16 years old. Because I started with all these practices to become aware when I was sleeping. And so this is the result of the Toltec wisdom practice. And not only the Toltec wisdom, actually many other uh, Eastern practices, ancient practices. Uh, So that was the moment when I really stepped into Toltec wisdom, when I started to to live it. Of course, many authors came to me, such as uh, Miguel Ruiz, for example. Maybe you might have heard about him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I talked about Miguel Ruiz already in the introduction, and I really love his book, The Four Agreements. We have it on the reading list as well in our teacher training. 
I like to refer to that, that it's like the four agreements are like a compass for life, right? So before going deeper into dreaming and manifesting dreams and lucid dreaming that you already talked a little bit about, I would love to share with the ones who don't know the book, the four agreements, shortly, what are the four agreements and um, what's the background with Miguel Ruiz? What, what is it all about? Or like just a short summary, probably. Yeah, Miguel Ruiz is such an inspiring uh, character because he also comes in modern times from a Toltec lineage, which means that his lineage, his, his parents practiced the ancient Mexican wisdom. And he, he, he is like a transition because he, since he's young, he wants to become a professional medical doctor. And he's in the quest for that, which is a little bit far from his initial roots. <laughs> well, at least because he wanted to approach the Western perspective of it, right? And uh, he already knew the the Mexican, the ancient Mexican perspective of it. And he brings this wonderful book in in I think it's in the nineties or or early two thousands. About four agreements, and 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 in this magnificent book, he actually also recovers some of the '60s philosophy, but even more practical. And it feels really authentic because he also lives them. He explains in this book that uh, we humans have a very valuable resource, which is called attention. And so, when attention is is properly and consciously directed, it can create, etc. And one of the ways it creates is by creating agreements. And these agreements is, are like contracts that you create through life with people or even with things. It's your relationship with things. But it, what, he means agreement when we not only believe it, but actually we support it, even though we don't actually have fully tested it. It's like we are agreeing on things to happen. And uh, he he not only throws so much light onto this concept of of what an agreement is and how to do a deep review of each of the agreements that we make in our daily life and also in our past life uh, or in the early life, whatever you work with. And also he offers these four very specific agreements, which um, not only... He's referring to the four elements in each agreement to, since it's this Toltec wisdom, because Toltec wisdom speaks about four directions or uh, um, a, a life compass that is based on four directions. And it goes beyond the north, south, east and west, but it's, it's whole uh, metaphors of um, real life archetypes. And so he he uses this number, the number four, to honor his tradition. And he speaks about four ways to direct the energy because the four agreements, we process them naturally like simple. For example, the first one is being impeccable with your words, which means just take care of your words. <laughs> Be aware of how you use the power of the word. Mm. Impeccability and, also means like being perfect, being sharp, being super exact with the words, right? Yeah, tending to perfect, like mm -hmm. 
with the willing to achieve perfection. Mm-hmm. And uh-huh. and uh, in, the, in this way, he's inviting the people just to be aware of the power of, of the worth. When we speak to our children, to our family partners, even to the dogs, <laughs> our, our pets, you know, it's, it's, he, he states that the, the way we use our word shapes reality. Mm. Because and that's already because the first step to dream, like making dreams come true, right? What you speak becomes your reality. Correct, correct. It's, it's the very first step to to align the power of the worth with what you truly feel and want in life. And just with that first agreement, you have a whole life to work on. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> mm, yeah, definitely. It's it's very interesting. So and so then uh, he even says in the book that the first agreement is the most important, uh, at least for his tradition, and we we can see it because words are energy also, and maybe they don't shape reality in the very first moment, but repeated over and over, they start shaping reality. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, he also uh, invites us to not take things personally, uh, which is another agreement. And this is uh, not so much related to words, but related to the way we perceive life happens. Because normally human beings perceive that life happens against <laughs> against us. And each human, we have personal experience of life, you know, and, and, and we fall into believing that everything goes around us. And that's very, very natural, very human. So this agreement is a reminder to to not th- take things personal and understand that what things happen in life, they're not happening against you. Yeah, they're kind of happening for you mm. in a way. You just got to choose to see it that way. Mm. I love this mm. agreement. It's a very empowering one, specifically because of this victim mode that you talked about, which is so common in in our modern world and if we are managing to step out of this victim mode and to become a creator of our own lives that is so empowering yeah magical yes yes totally totally uh i think uh the these four agreements i mean uh come very handy And I have seen that people have lost like maybe the most important part of, of the whole book, which is the first chapter. <laughs> it's, it's, it's very funny because the first chapter is presented as um, like as a kid's story. He, he introduces, uh, uh, even the chapter is called, uh, I, I think in English, it's the smoking mirror, maybe. Mm-hmm. I don't know the exact translation in English, but... Basically, I'm translating in the Spanish version, the like the smoked mirror or something like that. And and he introduces the story of a person who is an apprentice and 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 um, is is searching for truth. Is in the constant look for growing. And one day, the the this person dreams that goes out from the cave where he or she was. Uh, sleeping, and that 
is able to see his or her own body laying down sleeping. Like that's how the book actually starts. <laughs> mm. And this is not only a kid's story, but it's actually a real Toltec practice. Okay. And, and, and he's giving us the clue that, that, that this reality exists in the form of a story, of, of, of a kid's story. But he even tells us how the character achieved that. Because the, the character of, uh, like imagine, he has not even introduced the four agreements. He's speaking about a person, like a, a, a kid's story of a person who is in a path of growing and so. And one day suddenly is, goes to sleep into a cave and dreams that separates from the body and is able to see its own body. But how is he or she able to do that? Miguel Ruiz tells us that you gotta, the, the person see, sees the hands, okay? And once the person sees his, her own hands, is able to know that is dreaming, hmm. okay? Yeah. And this is a key that Toltec wisdom has trying to preserve for a long time. The hands being as a tool for us to wake up. Mm-hmm. Wake up from what? Maybe it's just from the from a dreamy state which we normally are, not only when we are sleeping in our bed, but also when we are with our eyes open. We're like in a dreamy state constantly uh, in a like in a flow of thoughts and, and all this stuff, mm. you know. Attachments <laughs> as well, right? Yogic philosophies. Um, it's based on Ayurvedic um, principles as well, called the gunas, and the tamas is very much in the in the ground, like it being attached to something. And they they describe this state also as a state of sleeping, because there's many things that we are not aware of as well, and that yeah. that take away lightness, take away ease. So. In the in the in the picture that is commonly used there in this Ayurvedic um, principle is called um, the lo- the lotus. It's, it's very often the lotus flower that is in the mud, which is tamas, and then when it gets more active and starts to blossom up, like the the plant when it grows up, it's more the rajas, and then the flower itself when it blossoms this energy this state of being the gunas are states of being mainly um is called sattva so this is one of the aspects already where it's connected to to yogic philosophy to ayurveda but we will it's all connected, right? So we will speak about lucid dreaming a little bit later again. So we have mm-hmm. now the two agreements we spoke about, the impeccability of the word and never taking things personal. So the third agreement is no assumptions. Don't make don't make assumptions. Am I right? Yes. You want to speak more about that as well or, or not? Yeah, sure, sure. Um, I think assuming might be one of the most energy draining practices that we humans do. Mm-hmm. Um, comparing to planning or to 
strategically envisioned, <laughs> assuming deals with unnecessary energy that is or attention that is put into things. And we humans are very good doing that. Mm. And so this is also another, uh, another agreement that sounds easy, but again, go, bringing it into the practice is, is a great challenge. This is the reason why I, I was mentioning the hands, because Miguel Reese in this book gives us the hands as a mindfulness practice maybe one of the most basic primitive mindfulness practices. So looking at the hands serves, for example, when I am assuming. When I, whenever I, I find myself that I am assuming, that I am saying something as truth or that I believe have no truth to be truth, <laughs> um, the main thing that comes to me is to take a moment of... Uh, mindfulness centering, let's say, see my hands, take a deep breath and realize I, sh I can save a lot of energy by not assuming. So this agreement is also like a reminder. And every time we can remember when we are repeating these agreements, the hands exercise comes very mindful and very powerful as a, as a mindful practice. And uh, I think not assuming also has made personally my life. I mean, I do assume. I, I won't say I, I don't. But clearly I assume way less than when I first came to this book. <laughs> mm, And I, for sure. It, it, it truly had made my life lighter. Mm -hmm. It truly had made my life just easier because it's now easy to drop those thoughts when I'm not sure about them. Sure. And we human beings, just as many other animals, we work with habits, right? And making assumptions can be can be a habit that we constantly start to make assumptions what other people would do or think or even about ourselves. And stepping out of that is, is a very big step and like consciously reminding ourselves it was very beautiful how you spoke about that hand exercise grounding ourselves in the here and now and what is it what I really know and making truth up and just coming back and saving our energy on things that that are clear to us and not things that are in this muddy tamas lotus pond um, that we just cannot know or cannot see right now. Exactly. Yeah. Even I think personally that most of the times assumptions are just projections of fears, even. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. I know how, ma how many people suffer so much by believing, oh, my partner is with another person. Oh, my sons are not, uh, are, how are they going to be raised? Or my, my father, how long is going to be still with me? Mm -hmm. You know, in yeah. that life and These are mostly projections of ourselves, of our own fears. So not even of real. Course. Mm, exactly. Yeah. Not even and especially real. if we wanna if we wanna make our dreams come true, we need to direct our energy very mindfully. So we we have no time and energy to lose on making assumptions. Yes. Yeah. 
And also not only making assumptions, but being able to recognize when others are making assumptions about us, Mm. which is a process of being humble because Mm -hmm. we always got to be receptive to learning, to have feedback, how we can improve. Mm-hmm. But it's it's we gotta tune this this perception into also understanding that sometimes people assume about us, and we don't have to agree on those assumptions, you know. Mm-hmm. And just by bringing consciousness into that and saying I don't agree into that assumption, that is an inner process. You don't even have to speak to anyone. That is just an inner process. Once you recognize it, once you feel someone is assuming about you, uh, you cannot do this or uh, uh, it's too soon, you, you, you don't have to do this. All these voices, you know, outside of the world, understand that they are not yours. They are, they are assumptions that do not belong to you. Mm-hmm. Quite similar to, to Eastern philosophy in many aspects mm-hmm. with the illusion of Maya. Mm-hmm. Maya and mm-hmm. yogic philosophy, just the illusion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yes. And this hand exercise that you were talking about, is it also a Toltec exercise? Yes. Yes, mm-hmm. it is repeated throughout Toltec um, um, works, let's say. It, ha- it was also a key used by a man called Carlos Castaneda, who is... Uh, He was very famous in the 60s because he spoke very much about his experience with um, with uh, a man who introduced him to Toltec wisdom and got a bad reputation at some point because of the use of psychedelics and mm-hmm. very fan- fantastic stories that he tells as truth. And the reality... No one will know because the great work he did was to just, uh, based on something truth maybe, arrange them in a way to provide information to whoever is reading. I don't know if, if what he wrote was real, but when you practice what, what he suggests, then you start understanding what, what this is all about. And most, mm-hmm. most of the... Great practices come in the middle of his whole life work, not in the beginning with the first books that are the most uh, known. And looking at the hands is one exercise that he also suggests that he learns from his teacher, who is a Toltec uh, man too. Mm -hmm. And not only there, but also when you go to the native tribes from Australia and you you go into the caves, you see that these very old paintings are hands, you know? And and these hands are, if you pay attention to them, they are sometimes symmetric and sometimes moved. Some of them are wide, some of them are dark. And this is a hint that they are telling us, our ancestors, that they also use their hands to, to stay in contact with the realm beyond the, the physical. Mm, as a okay. as a mindfulness practice, you know the reality is uh, watching your hands is a, is one of the most powerful mindful practice as breathing. Mm. Uh, there is something that happens in our brain which 
makes us try to count how many fingers here are, you know, you know, like policemen when they are, when they catch someone <laughs> who, who is drunk and they ask, how many fingers do you see here? You know, well, that brain process per- is very particular to us humans because we have five fingers in, in the, in the animal kingdom. Okay. And, and, and counting five fingers appears to be something very precise for our brain. Very precise, very, very, very precise. So this act is an act of mindfulness already. Once you get used to it, you sometimes replicate it also in your dreams. But that's then another story. As, as, the, as a mindfulness practice, it has been maybe the most powerful for me. And, and, and then I just combine it with the breath because the next thing that comes to you when you see your hands is take a deep breath, but it comes like naturally, you know, you see your hands and then ah, suddenly this comes and there's like a reset on the whole parasympathetic Mm. system. (laughs) Mm. Yeah. I really love the simplicity that is sometimes in these, in these practices, so simple, but so effective. And there is this one mindfulness exercise that I used to do, in a, in a certain time in my life, putting thumb and index finger together and then moving the other fingers to the, to the thumb, one after the other. So, and then saying, peace is in me. And then again, thumb and index finger, peace, thumb and middle finger is, thumb and ring finger in thumb and little finger, me. <laughs> and then again, peace is in me. And then repeating it internally. If if there is some circumstances around me that that brought me out of my peace, right? Mm, wonderful. Mm, that's that's yeah. what I like to well, do. But yeah, just watching the hands is, is so simple, but can be so effective as well. Very powerful. Thank you for sharing that. So the last, but not least, <laughs> but for now, last is some... Um, yeah, last one of the four agreements is the always do your best thing. What do you think about it with regard to Western lifestyle where we have a lot of pressure with regard to <laughs> always performing good? I mean, you have spent some time in Germany, right? And you saw that it's quite different than in Mexico. I think in Mexico, it's um, things are feel a little <laughs> bit more smooth and more relaxed. <laughs> So I'm excited what you share about that. Maybe if you want to, you can also refer to, to cultural differences if you feel like. I, I, I felt there people were really making their best most of the time. <laughs> 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 and and yeah. seemed a little bit um, tiring. Stressed about I it. Think. Yeah. Yeah. What a great question you asked. Well, he suggests an agreement about making our best but that doesn't mean physical effort. And that doesn't also mean uh, tolerating what, sh- what should change, for example, or what is in our power to change. I, that has to do a lot with making the practice even for resting. Like mm-hmm. you can make your best even on resting, on doing mm-hmm. nothing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is... I don't know if he mentions this in the book, but actually my own philosophy truly speaks about doing nothing as mm-hmm. an act of energy, like mm-hmm. a, as, as an act of, of, of energy recovery, let's say. Mm-hmm. And uh, 
making your best at doing nothing might be one of the most difficult, but yet pleasing and great things to do. It might be difficult for modern life uh, people, mm -hmm. people who are really engaged into digital devices, big flows of information. And uh, doing nothing feels wrong. Sometimes even do, doing nothing feels unproductive or might feel that way. And well, I will tell you, are you doing your best also in resting? Are you doing your best also in just relaxing and doing nothing? Mm. And this is an invitation also for, to, well, to, to, to understand that giving our best doesn't mean a constant big effort. Sometimes it also is an invitation for surrendering. Making our best also means surrendering. Mm. And um, in this way, now the agreement has a, a wider context because it also speaks about balance. It also speaks about equilibrium. Mm -hmm. mm. Very beautiful. Yeah, making our best, doing our best and resting as well. And then being an employee, but also being an entrepreneur. I think it doesn't matter. Like we very often have this feeling that what we did is not enough. And then trusting that if I do my best, it's already good enough. And that sometimes done is better than perfect. Like getting lost in perfectionism can actually drain our energy very much. And then also pull us away from our dreams because sometimes we never go out with our message because well, we, we, we don't really come into action because we are so perfectionist. Um, yeah, I mean, it took us years <laughs> to record our first podcast episode together now, right? In 2019, <laughs> we were speaking about it for the first time. Um, sometimes there is moments of timing of, okay, this is, a, this is a good moment now. But all in all, I think if you feel it, just do it. It's, it's not about waiting for a long time or, yeah pushing yourself back, holding yourself back. Mm, what I like to share as well with regard to always doing our best is that for me personally, it gives me a lot of peace to try my best <laughs> to believe that everybody's doing his or her best, which helps me a lot with not taking things personal and being okay with The best of another person does not maybe feel like enough or the best for me, you know. If somebody is, for example, shouting at me, <laughs> yeah, because, uh, I don't know, because I, I dropped something, okay, of another person and the person is shouting at me and I, I'm very tempted maybe to, to take it personal, okay, But then saying, okay, the person is maybe agitated or just very emotional about it right now. And the person is still doing his or her best. 
even though this doesn't feel like the best for me because maybe I would have reacted differently but not everybody is like me you know and then this helps mm -hmm. me a lot to to trust that people are really trying their best even though their best doesn't feel like doesn't feel great for me sometimes mm, um, that's interesting mm, yeah And then also connecting it again to yogic philosophy, I like to give some things just to karma, right? Say that karmic cycles are doing their work and that it's not my responsibility to tell people what is right or wrong. Like karmic cycles are working and it's not my responsibility to judge that because that again takes a lot of energy, takes a lot of time. And trusting that people are doing their best. And if they are not, it will come back to them. <laughs> the question will come back to them because karma likes to, to find equilibrium. Yeah, that, that's driving you to the agreement of uh, avoid assuming. Mm, yeah, no mm -hmm. assumptions. Yeah, third agreement. Yeah. I've heard some people even suggesting to to adjust the agreements in order for them not to be uh, negations. <laughs> mm. Right. Um, I had recently that conversation with a friend, which seems pretty nice. You know, maybe uh, more than not assuming would be um, staying open for truth. I don't know. Uh, it's, it's just our drive to try to guess things, what tires us. Or to, mm -hmm. well, that also happens with some people who believe that know everything. And so uh, most of the things people know are assumptions. Uh, the, the book is, goes deep into that. Even this is a short book. Uh, the Four Agreements create really great examples in which we Uh, tend to fall into these games of believing or acting uh, aligned to agreements that are not anymore or should not be anymore aligned with our current persona. Uh, it's like, I see also agreements like patterns. People, Some people call it patterns. I have certain patterns in my life. Okay, maybe those patterns are just agreements that we are holding on to that we have not really reviewed yet or we have not put words into them. We have not yet discovered that we are agreeing every day on um, serving someone who is not respecting me. Or like it's because we are still agreeing on that. And it's not a pattern. It's just an agreement that we have not changed or, or an agreement that we have not really deduced that is there and then be willing to work on it and change it. That's the power of the book also. It reminds us that every agreement that we have done in our lives, we have the power to remake them or even break them completely, whatever fits mm -hmm. best for you. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Very, very interesting. You have this beautiful quote on your website, which says, we must find internal silence and contemplate the external sleep for our liberation. 
maybe you want to share a little bit what what lies behind this quote for you personally and how is the connection to lucid dreaming mm. well we can make the connection uh, from miguel ruiz to this because uh, miguel ruiz tries to explain to us in his book that we humans come to the world, we are born here, and then basically most of the input information that we receive is not our choice. Okay, so this is kind of like a, like a profound concept that he asks us to reflect on. Okay, okay, yeah, I came to this world, I didn't choose my name, I didn't choose my, my origin country, I didn't choose anything, right? And so from this premise, he keeps going how we humans then are domesticated. I like the word he used because it is, it is actually quite happens. <laughs> what, what actually happens is uh, we learn to behave in a certain way according to what family and society tell it is the proper way to which is similar to what we do on pets. We train them in order for them to behave in a way that they align to us, right? And so by going through this domestication process without um, putting awareness on how we came to the things we came, because sometimes in this domestication process, we learn to behave aggressively, We learn to behave in, in these ways that people who are instructing us in life are also showing to us. It's not necessarily mom and dad. It can be any other figure that was meaningful to us when we were growing. Mm -hmm. So he tells us in order for us to realize that life is like a dream. Like it feels like a dream because reality feels or might Get, might get closer to something that is closer to my will, to something or to each individual's will, let's say, okay? To the will of the person who is living. But actually, life seems more like the will of the whole society when I came to, the, to here and, and I learned to behave in the way I behave now. And he calls this the dream, okay? He calls the... The, the lack of questioning or reevaluating our situation, our domesticating situation, whatever age we are, as a dreaming. Okay? Because we're just accepting it. Because uh, we're just accepting it. <laughs> And basically, when we're dreaming, we are accepting whatever comes into the dream. Sometimes people don't even dream. Well, They're just sleeping and they're accepting that they're sleeping. There's nothing that the will can do against being asleep, okay, when we're sleeping. That's why this is like the metaphor. And the, the quote that you just read, uh, it is about us recognizing this same dream. And this is connected to lucid dreaming because somehow, as Miguel Ruiz says in his book, For Agreements, we humans dream when we are sleeping and when we are awake. 
like dreaming is not just something abstract that happens when we are in our bed sleeping. It is actually a mind process that is taking off real from like, or let's say separating us from reality into an abstract reality. And in this abstract reality, we are trying to make sense of what we are experiencing in what we call real reality, okay? But this abstract reality, even though it's not physical real, it is real because it does influence the physical world. For example, have you ever dreamed that you lose someone who you love very much? If you have, you maybe have waken up and then realized that you are feeling the loss. So something that is not happening, you are feeling it yet. So that's why it's real. Maybe it's not real physically, but it has a real impact on our physical reality. And this is what Tolteguism works with, with how these two worlds interact, this abstract reality that we call the dream, And this physical reality that we are trying to experience and live as rich and diverse as we want or as we can. And um, coming back to the hands, reading that part of the book for me was very, very transformative. It really changed my life because I thought, wow. The, the person can see that is laying down dreaming. And so the story keeps going that once the person sees the hands, decides to go up to the stars. Like the, 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 the consciousness or the experience of the dream or, or who, whatever is experiencing this, the imagination, whatever, can go now to the stars. Mm-hmm. Okay. And that is very profound because that is a solution for what can we humans do in this vast universe where we are attached to a very tiny planet and there is a whole universe out there to explore, right? What a waste of space if there is no one out there. <laughs> well, this, this uh, story is bringing to us that the abstract world is the closest for us to actually experience the whole universe, And well, in the beginning for me, it was like kind of, well, this is fantasy. Who knows? Let me do some research in the internet. Let's see what people say. Then I came across lucid dreaming. Then I came across people writing their experiences about becoming uh, conscious and allowing the will to act during the dream. And I started to get very interested into that. Maybe my main inspiration was to have a conversation with my mother. I really felt that if I was able to somehow reach into their dreams world, I could access to my mother's image, spirit or whatever. So that was my way of thinking in that moment. And I actually started to follow some of the recommendations and steps, which in those years you only found in weird mystical blogs. And so there were, was very few written about how to properly do lucid dreaming. 
So I kind of made a mix of many techniques and so. And finally, I once experienced it and it, it was actually through the hands. Uh, I was training myself to see my hands during the day. And eventually, in the dream, I was doing the same. Okay? Because when we are dreaming, normally when we are dreaming about daily stuff, and that's why we forget it when we awake, because it's pretty irrelevant. We just remember dreams when they appear to be relevant. Mm -hmm. And so this this was a very magic moment for me because I, I remember uh, watching my hands, but I became aware that I was dreaming because my hands didn't have five uh, fingers. What happens in a dream when you are sleeping is that when you see your hands, you just see something else rather than a hand with five fingers. Some people uh, might see six, seven fingers. Some people might see nothing. Some people might see different things. Some people even see that their hands are melting or dissolving, you know? And I remember that very strong, weird sensation of being in a very deep spiritual experience. When I saw my hands and I, I realized I was dreaming that I was not, uh, I was not seeing my my five fingers. And so what so, did you see instead? Sorry for me to understand. It might, it's difficult to tell because when you wake up, you try to make sense of what you see. And I can tell you, I remember I, I saw like more fingers than they, they used to be. But the experience is weird. It's like the mind is trying to count the five fingers but something in that reality doesn't quite help you to match the five finger things. And every person sees something different. Mm -hmm. they, you will okay. see something, but, but you will know because you won't see your five fingers, which are supposed mm -hmm. to be there. <laughs> mm -hmm. okay. in, the, in, the, in that moment, that's when you know, oh, I'm sleeping. So mm -hmm. again, every day Then I was... Then you become aware that you are sleeping, which is lucid dreaming in the end. Yeah. And the training was very simple. The only thing I needed to do was in my daily life, when I was awake, taking three times a day spontaneously the mindful practice of watching my hands, take a deep breath and realize I'm here. That was all I needed to do. Three times a day. Mm. Until one day, I, I think it took like one month for me to do this. Until one day I finally saw my hands in a, in a dream and didn't see my hands, of course, saw something else. I felt it was in a dream and I got very excited. And, and it, it got really profound because I, I also didn't know what to do. <laughs> and so the first thing that happened was I woke up. But I was very, very excited because it felt like I was in another world. It felt like I was in another state of mind different than the, the normal. And I, I didn't just keep it as a fun, interesting experience. I kept practicing and I kept trying to do it over and over. And I kept reading why, why I was waking up until I came to Toltec Wisdom. And I learned that I was waking up because I was not harnessing my energy. Like, what we normally call energy, also what in yoga we call the energy that is flowing through our but the same energy. It's exactly uh -huh. the same mm -hmm. energy. Mm -hmm. And so 
once I started to harness my energy with yoga and with other movements that also Toltec Wisdom have introduced, uh, now we call them Tensegrity, thanks to Carlos Castaneda, who also made a work to rescue some of those uh, movements. And even Moyectilia for traditional um, Nahuatl movement, but this is more anthrop uh, anthroposophical uh, source. Anyways, movement, connecting to the to the body, moving and and feeling this uh, expansion and contraction of the of the body was helping me to harness enough energy. So when I became aware of my dreams, I didn't wake up so easily. I could keep all the energy that is required to stay awake in a dream. And that had a very profound impact because there was a point in which I really became aware that manifesting dreams what was something that was happening in both realities, in the physical reality and in this abstract reality. Now, Toltec wisdom has a name for these realities, For the physical reality, it's called tonal, okay? Tonal, and, and it, it relates to tona, which means light. And it's because we can see it, okay? We can touch, it's, it's enlightened, we can see it, we can touch it. Mm -hmm. But it's not so the everything light. that is around me right now, for example, this mm -hmm. pen is in the tonal. Like this body is in the tonal, in the physical, in the real world. Mm -hmm. Correct. Even that tonal is represented by a beautiful example or metaphor of a bubble. You, your perception is a bubble. If you imagine yourself like where you are sitting now, you are experiencing a bubble of perception. Mm -hmm. You are able to perceive maybe some sounds out of your home, whatever is in front of you or someone who is around in the house. There is a certain limit of your perception. That mm -hmm. limit is your personal tonal, okay? Mm -hmm. And of course, reality, the whole reality that we can see is the whole tonal. Mm -hmm. This other part, the abstract world, is what we call Nahual. Mm -hmm. It's a reality for Toltecs. While we in the Western world called it fiction, imagination, not reality, for Toltecs, it is reality. It is actually an extension of reality. Mm -hmm. And in this extension of reality, we call this Nahual. Mm -hmm. okay? The Nahual is mentioned in Tonal. These two concepts are also mentioned in, in the four agreements in Miguel Ruiz. He speaks about them in, in the first chapter. Um, he refers to the Nahual as the space where Tonal happens or where Tonal exists. Maybe similar to, to the concepts of Shiva and Shakti. Kind of. Very similar. Because also Tonal refers to movement. Okay. Mm -hmm. And considering this, I became aware that once I was practicing in the physical world through yoga, through correct uh, 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 um, sorry, food. <laughs> I was trying to tell the word in Spanish. Proper food, like having a healthy life, basically, was harnessing my energy. And by harnessing my energy, when I was starting to focus it, uh, 
on my dreams, mm-hmm. I tended up to be aware in my dreams. So one of the first really cool stuff that I started doing in my dreams was uh, like when I was sleeping, was manifesting stuff. I remember I was 16 years old when I first did this practice. I I got in with my hands. And once I was in there, I was kind of in like this beautiful empty parade, just grass and nothing else. There were no mountains, no buildings, nothing else. And I felt it was really boring. And, you know, I consciously thought, let's create some mountains And I remember it took energy. I remember it was not really easy. I needed to focus my energy on a very specific spot in, in the dream. And by the more I was focusing on it, the, the slower the mountain was starting to come up from the ground and creating itself, you know, like in the movies. But it was not a movie. It was, it was a, a, a very authentic, real experience. And I did that a couple of times. I remember it really took a lot of energy. I remember waking up and feeling tired. Like if I actually was... Mm-hmm. <laughs> Because you were working so much in your dream. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Exactly. Okay. Beautiful. So it was very inspiring and, and deep how you were sharing how, how you actually learn to work with your consciousness in your dreams by doing practices that maybe on the first attempt or maybe even when practicing them seem or feel kind of boring almost right because Mm -hmm. it's it's challenging to to do it again and again and again right but then yeah. yeah but then going back to it and staying consistent in your practice helped you to being able to really realizing your dreams in your dreams. So realize, so in your dreams, still in this dream world, in the now world, right? In the non-physical world. But knowing you for so many years now and observing your life flow um, shows me that you also know how to make dreams come true in the tonal, so in the physical, in the real world. You grew up in Mexico City and as you shared already, you lost your mom at the age of 10 and then you decided to open a music school at the age of 19 and you wanted to become a musician. Your father wanted you to become an engineer, so you you did your own thing, you had your music school and then at some point you decided to move to, to the Caribbean And now you are working on this other dream that is about to happen at some point of like opening a community, living in a community in, in Bacalar, in this dream place in, in the Caribbean. So if people are listening now and they say, I want to make a dream come true, what would you tell them? I mean, it was very complex and very deep what you were sharing. Yeah. Um, so I don't know, I'm sure it's not as easy as that, right? You need to do this, you need to do this. But I know that you know many practices, you have been talking about them already. And I'm just excited what you what would you tell them from a Toltec, from a Mexican perspective. I know that people in Mexico are very connected to their heart. I always feel that whenever I'm in touch with you or the people that surround you. So I'm excited to hear what you would 
share with the listeners with regard to that? Mm, very good question. In my case, it was first through the dream world or the abstract world. I kind of was making some sense of what was happening in the real world. Toltec wisdom tells us something that even in the Western world with yoga, I have been hearing, which for all traditions knew this since a long time. And wherever you put your attention, energy will flow, basically. Mm. Where your mind goes, the energy flows. Mm. Exactly. And when you're... When the mind and the heart goes together, not only your energy goes, but like the energy of the whole universe goes. And kind of started to do that. I started to say, if I am able to, in my dreams, when I'm sleeping, manifesting, maybe in reality it might take longer, but it's just about keeping my attention into it. So that made me create an agreement Okay, I. This is not the fourth agreement. This is the fifth, my fifth agreement, which was, I am able to create if I put my attention into it. Mm. I do believe I can create if if I put my attention into it, if I put my love, if I put my energy, if if I really care about it, the the same way I cared about dreaming and having lucid dreaming. It was all connected because what all what I learned was that lucid dreaming just helped me to realize that I was testing how much the power of belief could go. Mm-hmm. And uh, in that way, in this reality, which has more limitations than the abstract world, I just thought they are not separate. Because if I am doing it in the abstract world, I may, uh, like, somehow they should be connected. And it just happened that I learned that uh, they are bonded. Like, the physical reality and the abstract reality are bonded. I was able to work physical, real things in the abstract world to continue stories that were not finished, to close cycles that were not closed yet in the abstract mm-hmm. world. And sometimes it happened to me to dream a couple of places before I met them in real life, which I don't know, that, that goes beyond even my understanding, <laughs> my logical and For rational sure. understanding. Well, mm-hmm. But, but then, then, then it, it is really about the energy and the attention. That's all about. Every culture will tell you, want to go into transcendent mode, start harnessing the energy. Mm. And uh, I think whatever way you choose to harness your energy, as long as you do it with full heart committed, you will succeed. You will really succeed. It can be told to wisdom, it can be yoga, it can be any path. Because the main ingredient is your heart, is your willing to do it. Uh, and, and, and if the heart wants to do it, which is uh, call it your intuition or that emotional part from you, it's deeper than the emotional, but that, that emotional part that is telling the rational part to do something that has been waiting for so long or to whatever, when 
when when you finally uh, allow the mind to surrender to the, what the heart is telling you, this this sensation that is coming from here and not from here, then you start synchronized to the to that energy and to that flow. It's mm. just easier to keep connected and bring your attention to there. That's why most of my work is based on heart-centered mm-hmm. uh, practices. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. We will speak mm-hmm. about that in in the retreat um, in Mexico, mm-hmm. the Wild Open Heart Retreat. <laughs> so I'm I'm very honored to to welcome you there as well and to go deeper into that heart connection with regard to Toltec wisdom. Um, thank you so much for everything that you shared, for all the wisdom and for for your authenticity. I have one question that I ask to all of my guests in the podcast. And it's the question, if if you had the chance to send a push, push message on your phone, so the message is like a, fo- a message on the phone that gets delivered to all the people, all the phones in the whole world, and it gets translated automatically in the language of the receivers. What will you send out mm. oh, right wow. now? Okay, it could be that what you would send out right now doesn't resonate with what you would send out tomorrow, but just very intuitively, what would you like to send out to the world right now? Wow. I would write, may love be present in your life. Simple. (laughs) Mm. May love be present in your life. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you, Juice, for for this invitation. Such an honor to speak to you this way. And, And thank you, whoever is listening and... Also, just a quick reminder, uh, if you go to my website, you will be able to read the book that I just recently wrote about lucid dreaming. It is a very interesting topic and I try to make my best to make very, very simple uh, exercises that you can practice in order to harness this abstract uh, side of you, let's say, your spiritual body. And, uh, I will share it in the show notes. You will find his website in the show notes. Thank you. It is open. You can read it for free. Mm. You just leave whatever donation you feel like living because I felt like sharing this information with the world openly. Mm. Thank you so, so much for being you. Thank you for mm. your time. Thank you for your energy. And thank you everyone for listening. Namaste. <laughs> Thank you. Namaste. I am super excited to hear how this episode was moving you. I'd be happy to know about your insights. So if you feel like sharing them with me, just jump to Instagram at upyoga and share them underneath the Insta post that's connected to this episode. Or you can also send me an email through the contact form on my website. Check out my website for upcoming retreats, workshops, events and online courses. 
And if you want to support my work, leave me a five-star rating on iTunes. I hope to read or hear from you soon or even see you on the mat somewhere. Until then, take care and listen to love. Listen to the trees and listen to the